53 years ago, the Rolling Stones had their very first number one hit. And I was going to sing that for you this morning and see if you could kind of figure out what it was, but I've asked for some help. So you might be able to recognize this tune. Satisfaction. You guys might not remember anything else about this morning's sermon, but I bet you remember that. Now, when the Rolling Stones made that song, I really doubt they consulted Ecclesiastes chapter 2 for inspiration for those lyrics, but let me tell you, they absolutely could have because they absolutely 100% back up the very thought of Ecclesiastes chapter 2. And if we're honest, I believe at some point in time we are still looking for satisfaction in life. We're looking for purpose, for meaning. So I want to kind of propose this question. Is it possible for us to be satisfied with life? If so, how? How do we go about being satisfied? You see, Solomon wrestled with this very same question. How do I get, be, become satisfied in life? We're diving into part three of our series, Afterlife. And the underlying theme of the whole book of Ecclesiastes and through this theme that we're, we're dealing with or this sermon series is living for heaven. In other words, living for the next life. Solomon recorded kind of three stages in his journey in a search for satisfaction, for meaning, for purpose in life. And apart from Jesus, Solomon was the wisest person who ever walked and lived on this planet. There was a couple of words that he used frequently through the book of Ecclesiastes. He used this word vanity 38 times. He used this term under the sun 29 times. So Solomon lived a life and he was on a quest to find purpose, to find meaning, to find fulfillment in life. We're going to break this chapter down into, into three parts. And so uh, kind of in the same three categories that Solomon said that he tried to find purpose and meaning in life. The first thing that we're going to see that he went after, and he found out that there wasn't any fulfillment in, in the, the pleasures of this world don't satisfy. The pleasures of this world will not satisfy. Begin reading in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, and 
verse 1. We're going to look today from the New International Version. I, I just like the wording of, of that. So we've already got that downloaded and or uploaded into the, installed into the app, whatever you want to say, or you can follow along. I thought in my heart, come now and I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. But that also proved to be meaningless. Laughter, I said, is foolish. And what does pleasure accomplish? I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly. My mind still guided me with wisdom. I wanted to see what was worthwhile for men to do under heaven during the few days of our lives. I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs to bring groves of flourishing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had other slaves who were born in my house. I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself in the treasure of kings and provinces. I acquired men and women singers and a harem as well, the delights of my heart, of the heart of man. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. In all this, my wisdom stayed with me. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my work, and this was the reward for all my labor. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. Solomon, in his pursuit of satisfaction, as we see, indulges himself in all kinds of pleasure. In fact, he said, I denied myself nothing that my eyes desired. He lived a, a, a very fun life, seeking pleasure. He said, whatever I wanted to do, I did. But one thing that he found out, and I've also discovered, is that seeking pleasure never satisfied for very long. So that was the first thing that Solomon realized is that experiences don't satisfy. Now, doing fun things for a, a short time are actually fun. But they don't last. It's kind of like riding a roller coaster. You know, you stand in line, it seems like, forever to get on that roller coaster. And you ride maybe, if it's a long ride, maybe a minute and a half or two minutes. And while you're on that roller coaster, it's incredibly fun. But guess what? As soon as it stops and you get off and you walk off the platform, the fun is gone, isn't it? It's over. What I've found is that seeking pleasure often leads us into sin. And when we engage in sin, pretty soon that activity becomes kind of habitual. And then pretty soon we feel a compulsive nature towards that sin. And before we know it, that sin has got us trapped. That's one of the reasons that I have never gambled in a casino. Okay? I... Now, I've been to Vegas several times, but I've never put one penny, one dollar into a slot machine because I know what would happen. It's called the Cybel Luck. I would hit a jackpot on the very first pull. 
okay? The very first pull, I would hit an enormous jackpot, and it would ruin me from that point on because I would never again win another thing, but I would keep trying, trying to duplicate what I did and find that same fun and pleasure that I had, and I'd end up losing my car, my house, all of my possessions, my family. I would be destitute and homeless. Seeking after pleasure and fun. You see, it happened to Solomon. Scripture said he denied himself nothing that he wanted. If he thought it looked like fun, he did it. Fun, folly. Now, we don't know everything that Solomon did, but apparently it involved wine and women. And I'm thinking a multitude of both. But he said, I didn't find pleasure in it. It didn't last. You know, today people are still seeking and indulging their self in pleasurable experiences. But the problem is none of those things will satisfy for long. They just don't last. So I want to ask you a question. What are you seeking today? What experiences in life are you seeking today to get pleasure from? Now, the list would be different for all of us here. Because we would all seek fun and pleasure doing different things, but probably it would be cars, vacations, sports, hobbies. For some, it's shopping. For some, it's food. But the problem is that those things do not last. Second thing Solomon noticed here is that accomplishments won't last. And they don't satisfy. Those accomplishments will never satisfy. You see, he was a great builder. He built vineyards and gardens and parks and reservoirs. He had a garden and he made lakes in order to, to irrigate his gardens and his trees. It took 13 years and an incredible amount of resources to build his palace. And after it was done, he wasn't satisfied with it. Wasn't happy with it. A lot of people believe that the accomplishments in life are going to satisfy. If I can just get that raise, if I can just get that promotion, maybe if I get a better house or more education, more fame, whatever, then I'll be satisfied. I'm learning to play the guitar. Now, before you guys laugh, okay, I'm committed to doing this, okay? I'm tired of being the only guy on staff who can't play the guitar. Okay, so once I, you know, master the guitar, then I'm going to work on my voice, Because I believe that if I accomplish learning to play the guitar and to sing, I'm going to be the complete package, okay? I can preach, I can play, I can sing, I can do it all just like the other guys on staff. But the problem is those things in life never satisfy. I kind of had this big dream that, you know, if I could do that you know, could sing and to play and preach. Man, I could take my talents on the road and just go from town to town, you know. People would flock in to see me. (laughs) Probably not going to happen, but in my mind, if I accomplished something like that, I would be satisfied. Solomon also goes on in verse 7 and 8 to say, possessions don't satisfy. You look here that he had... Slaves, male and female slaves. He had 
herds and flocks more than anyone else before him. He had gold and silver. You know, he had more wealth than you could even imagine. And he said, I had all this stuff, but yet I wasn't satisfied. And today we're still chasing after pleasures of this life and possessions, trying to achieve satisfaction and and meaning and fulfillment. It might be a new car. It might be that new house or clothes or possessions. Maybe it's that new boat. I don't know. One thing that Solomon found out and that we have to understand is satisfaction does not come from stuff. And in fact, it's just the opposite. The more stuff that you have, okay, the more houses that you have, that means the more houses you have to clean. The more cars you own, the more tires and batteries and everything like that you have to buy and you have to insure and tag. And so rather than creating more pleasure for yourself, all you've really done is create more stress for yourself. Ask any farmer, because it takes a lot of equipment to farm. There's a lot of machinery, a lot of mechanical stuff. There's a reason why every time they go to jump in this piece of machinery that there's a dead battery or a flat tire or something, a lot of stuff that they have to maintain. You see, that we've got this idea that the more of this stuff, and we like our stuff, the more stuff we have, the happier we're going to be. But Solomon says, you're never going to be satisfied with that. So the more stuff you actually have, the more chaos and stress you're going to have because you have to maintain and take care of all that stuff. He goes on here to say relationships won't satisfy. He had a whole harem is what he called it. Solomon knew a lot about relationships. In fact, Solomon had, now listen to this, just wrap your mind around this, 700 wives and 300 concubines. So men, that's a thousand women. I I can see the wheels starting to turn already. We've already done the math this week in, in, in the office here, some of our guys, you know, and I'm just gonna let that go right there. He had a lot of relationships, so he knew a lot about relationships. And relationships are important. Friendships are important. Having relationships with our family are vitally important. But he said, relationships in and of themselves, they don't satisfy. And I want to tell you something, friends. If you are depending on a relationship, filling the deepest need in your life, you're going to ultimately be disappointed. You'll be unsatisfied because, just hear me out, people will always disappoint you and let you down. But Jesus never does. If you put all your faith in somebody, in this relationship, this friendship, ultimately sometime you're going to be disappointed because you're going to be let down, but Jesus never does. He goes on in verse 9 to say, positions won't satisfy. He said, I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. And all my wisdom stayed with me. You see, he was the king. He was the most important guy in the land. And he said, even being number one didn't satisfy. Even being number one by a long way didn't satisfy. But yet we sometimes think that, man, if I could just become the manager, 
then I'm going to be sad. Or, you know, if I could become the boss, even better. You know, if I could just buy this place and run this place, then I'd be happy and be satisfied. If I just got to that level, I'd be satisfied. But sounds good in theory, but Solomon said it doesn't work. Flip over with me to Proverbs chapter 21, verse 17. And this is a book that Solomon also wrote, Proverbs. It said, he who loves pleasure will become poor. Whoever loves wine and oil will never be rich. All right, the next journey of, of Solomon, as we see in, in chapter 2 here, is that the wisdom of this world does not satisfy Read with me in verse 12 through verses 17. He said, Then I, I turned my thoughts to consider wisdom and also madness and folly. What more can the king's successor do than what has already been done? I saw that wisdom is better than folly, just as light is better than darkness. The wise man has eyes in his head while the fool walks in the darkness. But I came to realize that the same fate overtakes them both. Then I thought in my heart, the fate of the fool will overtake me also. What then do I gain by being wise? I said in my heart, this too is meaningless. For the wise man, like the fool, will not be long remembered. In the days to come, both will be forgotten. Like the fool, the wise man too must die. And verse 17 said, So I hated life because the work that was done under the sun was grievous to me. After all, it's meaningless, a chasing after the wind. So Solomon found out that wisdom doesn't satisfy, and he said wisdom, though, is better than foolishness. And as you read through the book of Proverbs, which Solomon also wrote, he talks a lot about wisdom in the book of Proverbs. So he said it is better to be a wise person than a fool, but then he also goes on to say, both the wise and the fool die. Now, some of, maybe even some of you guys are into prolonging your life. And you go to the gym, you eat healthy, and you do all the things to, you know, create a healthy environment to prolong your life here on this earth. And I commend you guys for that because if you guys want to go to the gym five days a week, you know, by all means, knock yourselves out. If you want to eat healthy stuff while I'm eating my french fries and hamburgers, knock yourselves out. But I believe when we get to heaven, we're going to be so ecstatic that we're there that we're going to think, man, man, if I had just ate what I wanted to eat, I could have got here a long time ago and been really happy. Why did I wait so long and try to stay out of here? I really believe that. I should have came here a long time ago. But as hard as we work to maintain our bodies, Solomon says, and it's a fact that's, that's proven, we're all going to die. You know, from the day one that you are born, you begin the process of dying. Now you're going to grow, you're going to mature, but you go through this process of life and all of us are going to die. So he said, both the wise and the fool, they both die. Now I want you to think about all the wise people that have ever lived. And maybe they wrote a book or maybe they ended up in the history pages or whatever. But guess what? They all died. 
Now think about all the fools that have ever lived. Same thing. They all died too. So he says both the wise and the fool die, and guess what? Then he goes on to say they're going to be forgotten. So you think about all those really wise, smart people, and maybe they even wrote a book, maybe they're in the history book, and they might be remembered for a little while longer, but sooner or later, they're forgotten. And guess what about the fools? They're forgotten also. For the most part, I think, as soon as we die, we're forgotten in probably one generation or less. The impact that you think you're making on this world, you're going to be forgotten pretty quickly. And that's why Solomon said, you know, when I thought about this, I hated life because everything that I'm doing and everything that I'm living for, it's all meaningless. Verse 17, he said, I'm so discouraged about this. I hated life. Sounded like he was an unsatisfied guy. But you remember, he's the guy that denied himself no pleasure was the wisest man who ever lived, the most powerful as far as influential and and financially wealthy man. But yet none of that stuff mattered. And he hated life and he was discouraged by it. Third area he goes on to, to say that won't satisfy us is that the work of this world will never satisfy us. Verse 18 says, I hated all things I had toiled for under the sun because I must leave them to the one who comes after me. And who knows whether he will be a wise man or a fool, yet he will have control over all the work into which I poured my effort and skill under the sun. This, too, is meaningless. So my heart began to despair over all my toilsome labor under the sun for a man may do his work with wisdom and knowledge and skill, and then he must leave all he owns to someone who's not worked for it. This too is meaningless and a great misfortune. What does a man get for all the toil and anxious striving which he has labors under the sun? All his days, his work in pain and grief, even at night his mind does not rest. This too is meaningless. Then he kind of sums it up in verse 24. A man could do nothing better than to eat and to drink and find satisfaction in his work. This too, I see, is from the hand of God. So he said, the work of this world doesn't satisfy. We must leave behind all that we've accomplished. Solomon said, you don't get to take any of it with you. You're going to leave it behind. Job said in chapter 1, verse 21, Naked I come from the womb, and naked I will return. That's the original naked and afraid version. Then he goes on to say, We don't know who's going to take over all we built, of all we've accomplished, accumulated. Now we've seen this probably over and over again in our life that somebody has spent a lifetime accumulating an empire, a wealth, a business, a a corporation. And in maybe just a, a matter of no time at all, they pass it on to maybe their son or a grandson and all of a sudden the place is bankrupt and is destroyed and that great empire came crashing down. They handed it off to somebody who didn't work for it, didn't 
earn it, didn't deserve it, as Solomon said, but yet they got it all. Will they take care of it like I did? They didn't work for it. You know, we've seen this with houses and farms and ranches. You know, somebody builds a beautiful house and maybe spent their entire lifetime fixing this house up and then they sell that thing and the next thing you know, somebody's completely trashed it and it's worthless. Or maybe a farm has been in a family for generations and there have been countless members of that family that have built that farm or that ranch to to incredible success and then they pass it off to a son or grandson and like you know I'm just not interested in, in farming sells all the equipment the land and then pretty soon it's just gone Solomon said this is discouraging it's meaningless I want to illustrate this point by telling you about my pickup that I had I had a 1982 Chevy Silverado pickup. It was a classic. I mean, it was a cream puff. Black over silver. Every single thing on this thing worked. Jay Young took great pride. I mean, I'm talking down to the cruise control, all the power windows, the locks, even the windshield washer thing worked on. Everywhere I went, people were trying to buy this thing from it. Jay had replaced the engine, and anything that ever went wrong, any little thing, I had it fixed. I was so proud of that thing. My, my family knew that. They knew they better dare not get mud and yuck and stuff in my truck because, you know, I was going to be an unhappy person. So proud of that thing. Well, I was convinced I needed a newer truck, and so I sold that thing and bought a newer truck. And then one, another one of my friends, Tony Kaufman, texted me and said, Hey, does this thing look familiar? I saw your name in a, some documents in the glove box, and this was my classic cream puff. We got a picture of it. Sitting in a field here. Look at that thing. It just makes me sick just to even look at that picture. I think we got a picture of the inside here. They had trashed the inside, busted the windows. Oh, my goodness. And I think about all the time I spent polishing that truck, waxing it, cleaning it, keeping it immaculate, armor-rolling the tires, making sure nothing happened. It didn't have rust and dents or anything. And then this. It was worth $250. All my efforts to keep that per truck perfect were in vain. As Solomon said, it was meaningless. Then he says, work is hard. He finally said, I want to give you some advice. You're going to work hard all of your life. And he said, it's all going to be meaningless. But let me give you some advice. Okay? Just enjoy what you're doing while you're doing it while you still can. So let me give you Alan's kind of paraphrase translation of that verse. Enjoy the moment. Enjoy the moment because the moment will soon be gone. The first year I was selected to referee college uh, uh, playoff basketball, it was an honor to me because you get selected to do that. And I was really excited. I was pumped up. But a little nervous and apprehensive at the same time because when you get to the playoffs, while it's an honor to get there, you're being evaluated. Every single thing you do, every call you make, every position you're in or out of, you're being evaluated. And I was kind of uptight, but one of my 
partners for that game had been there many times. He just said, Alan, just relax and enjoy this moment. That's really what Solomon is trying to tell us. That's really what Ecclesiastes is trying to tell us is that enjoy life, be satisfied while you still can. So that's the true message of, of Ecclesiastes. Enjoyment is a gift from God. Enjoy this moment. And we have to realize that nothing on this earth is truly ever going to satisfy. Not possession, not fun, not uh, accomplishments. None of those things will satisfy ultimately. So what's the answer? It's what this whole series is about. Okay, you ready for it? If you don't get anything else I tell you today, please get this, okay? Write it down, memorize it, whatever. Live for heaven. Live for heaven. Because only heaven will satisfy. And that means that we've got to retool our, our, our heads, our hearts, so that our satisfaction is not found right here and now, but in eternity. So how do we do that? I want to give you two quick suggestions, all right? Number one is get to know Jesus the best you can. And to follow after him and a desire to be more like Him. Pursue Jesus every single day with everything you've got. Make that your ambition in life, to just pursue Jesus. The second thing is to make sure everyone else that you come into contact with knows how that they can find Jesus as well. Psalm, 1, Psalm 16, 11 says, In your presence is the full is a fullness of joy. Now, I want to be honest and real just for a few moments here. Some of you here today are probably not living for heaven. Heaven is a thought far away. You have two options. Just by the fact that you were born on this planet, you have two options where you're going to spend eternity, heaven or hell. There's not a third option. And both of those are very, very real places. And you're going to go to one of those very real places. And if you're living today with only the thought that only here and now matters, I want to have fun here and now, and eternity doesn't matter, friends, you're going to be greatly disappointed. Live for eternity. Because as long as we live on this earth, and maybe you live 70, 80, 90 years, maybe 100 if you're really lucky, that is going to be not even a blip when it comes to the graph of eternity forever. But yet we think this is all there is. So friends, I want to tell you, if you're not prepared for eternity, if you're not living for Jesus today, Today, you better get ready because we're not promised tomorrow. Solomon says both the wise and the fool die. He could go on and on and say both the young and the old die. The healthy, the unhealthy, they all die. And you're either going to be ready or not. So friends, my desire and my prayer for you today is to live for eternity. And if you're chasing after the, the things of the of this earth they won't satisfy pray with me Father I pray we seek the true satisfaction that we can find in you 
that nothing else on this earth matters. And when we leave this earth, there's only one thing that we take with us, and that's a relationship with you, Lord Jesus. I pray that we will pursue you every single day of our life with everything we've got. And Lord, I know that there are people here today that eternity is the furthest thing from their mind. But Lord, I just want to pray that you burn eternity in their hearts. They live for not here and now, but they live for eternity. In Jesus' name, amen.